welcome to the Family Tree Magazine podcast, the show from America's number one genealogy magazine. I'm your host, Lisa Louise Cook. Our theme for this September 2015 episode is organizing your genealogy, and who doesn't need help with that? So we will start off at the Genealogy Insider blog, where Diane Haddad will tell us about some of the ways that she has solved her organizational challenges. And then Allison Dolan will be here to share tips from the perfect ebook for the genealogist who wants to get organized. It's aptly called The Genealogist's Guide to Getting Organized. In our 101 Best Website segment, I'll give you some strategies for using Evernote for organization. And then Family Tree University instructor Lisa Alza will be here. She's going to share some ideas from her latest course called Organize Your Genealogy. And we're going to wrap things up over at the publisher's desk, where Allison, who is one of the most organized people I know, will share her organizational secrets. There's a lot to cover, so let's get to it. Our first stop is the news from the blogosphere with Diane Haddad. kick off this episode devoted to organizing your research with Diane Haddad. She is the Genealogy Insider blogger and editor of Family Tree Magazine. Hi, Diane. Hi, Lisa. Well, you know, uh, in this episode, we're going to talk all about getting organized, staying organized, the thing that we all are challenged with. And, you know, it's interesting. I went to the your blog, the Genealogy Insider blog, and um, I was looking through and trying to see what we could talk about. And I used your search box. There is so much content you have written over the years. And I just went to search and I wrote, I typed in organization. And this great article came up. This was something that you wrote back in January. and But it certainly fits right into this episode. It's called Tips from the Pros, Baby Steps to Organize Your Genealogy. I love that it was so easy to find what I needed when I needed it. And I'd love to chat with you about some of the tips you've got in this. Let's do it. Well, you know, um, everybody copes with this kind of thing. What's one of the first things that you mentioned in this, uh, in this particular article, uh, you have kind of a checklist of six items to kind of keep in mind. Well, I think keeping an updated to-do list is really important because it happens to everybody. You're going along following this one person or searching newspapers and you see a clue for like, oh, you know, a different name that maybe that's a cousin or I recognize this name from some other record or, you know, you just have an idea, oh, I can go check that resource. And, but it's not stuff that you want to go off on a tangent and do right now because you're, you know, you have this other goal in mind, the thing that you started with. And it's just hard to keep those extra clues organized in a way that that you'll remember them and can go back to them. So I have a research log, and when I find something like that, I'll pause and go to this research log on Google Drive and enter whatever it is I'm looking for, um, the website, um, just any kind of pertinent information that can get me back to that place where I had this idea. And then, you know, when I finish the task that I started with or, you know, I just need some genealogy thing to do, I can go back to my to-do list and... Um, sort of pick up where I left off, find that that clue, and start going with that clue. It helps control that, um, you know, you see the, the bright, shiny effect <laughs> when yes. you're doing research and you see like, oh, other bright, shiny ancestor. It helps you exactly. kind of keep that urge to follow that in, under control. 
Well, you mentioned Google Drive, and of course, they have Google Docs built into it. You know, Google Google Drive mm-hmm. is a free storage, and so you're using Sheets. I know Sheets is like their version of Excel. Is that kind of what you have your template in? Yeah, it's a spreadsheet, and I have columns for um, the surname, the first name, the place, a repository or website associated with whatever to-do task, um, the status of the to-do item if I'm, you know, if it's not done, I'm looking over it, or if I've completed it, and then just notes, and, and that's always probably the most full cell is just whatever other notes I, I have that could help me with use that clue when the time comes. Well, that's great, because if it's on Google Drive, then you can access it from your phone or your tablet or your computer, Mm -hmm. wherever you are. Now, the next two items kind of go together a bit in your list here. And you talk about um, consistency, naming, having a scheme for what you're doing. Tell us about that. You want to have a file naming scheme that is uh, formulated the same way for every record. So maybe you'll start with the surname of the person named in the record, followed by the date, followed by what it is like census or marriage, and then followed by, you know, whatever other information you want to include in that file name. And that just helps you keep it all in order in your computer hard drive, wherever you store it, everything will show up in whatever order you need it to. It makes it easier for you to find files. Yeah. And consistency is key, because if we mm-hmm. stick to whatever that method is, then we know we're going to be able to find stuff. Now, you talk about um, neatening your desk. I'm kind of a neat freak when it comes to my desk, because I just want the space to work and a place to be kind of creative. Um, mm-hmm. So how, how do you recommend people do that, keep <laughs> the stuff off their desk? Well, that visual clutter definitely is the case for me, can be really distracting and actually stresses me out. Yeah. So the, the busier I feel, the neater I want my surroundings to be. So, um, And it's probably a good practice for any aspect of life. But when you're finishing up at your desk, just try to neaten the piles, um, you know, write your short to-do list that you'll start your next research session with, or, you know, if, if it's at work, the thing you're going to start with the next day. And so just so that when you come back to your desk, you know what to start with. And it's not, you know, confusing. <laughs> yeah. And you're really alluding to what I kind of recommend is make sure that you leave five minutes at the end. You know, a lot of times we'll mm-hmm. just research up until the second that somebody's screaming, get in the car, you know, <laughs> and we're, we're not kind of um, making sure we're leaving ourselves a little bit of room at the end of our research time to do the wrap mm-hmm. up, you know, like we, mm-hmm. we wrap up this episode, we, we wrap up with the, uh, the to do list. And I have that big old recycle box right under my desk, everything just goes in there. Um, mm-hmm. You talk about keeping a to file basket on your desk. I just got one of these really cute metal old fashioned looking baskets for my husband. And it says filing and I and he has on his calendar, he schedules his filing time. Is that mm-hmm. what you do? Yes, that's what I do. Most of my genealogy research is digital. So I have a digital equivalent on my computer desktop, and I'll tuck stuff in there. And then, um, you know, as I find it online, and then go file it regularly, more on my home computer than, you know, I'll also do research <laughs> while I'm at work and trying out art, you know, advice and new resources. So I, I need to work on that system at work. Um, but then also, in general life, my I handle my family's papers and our mail that way, too. I'll put them all in a mm-hmm. basket and then go file it all. And that helps, really helps to keep things neat and organized and helps you find stuff when you need it. 
so you're not like re-requesting records and things like that. And finally, you have kind of a unique item here on the list about not wasting money on unnecessary organizational supplies. That Mm -hmm. happens to a lot of us. We (laughs) buy a ton of stuff and we don't end up using it. And it's fun to buy all that stuff because there are so many cute baskets and boxes and folders and things that you can get. But, you know, and that's the fun part of getting organized. And then it comes time to actually use all those things. And if you don't start out knowing what you need, then chances are you'll buy too much or the wrong kind of thing. Or, you know, you'll find that you're trying to force yourself into a different kind of storage system than the one that'll work best for you. Mm -hmm. Or we tell ourselves, well, I can start organizing after I go shopping. And then it just never Mm -hmm. happens. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. I love this uh, article. Check it out. It's called Tips from the Pros, Baby Steps to Organize Your Genealogy. Just follow uh, her little checklist here of great ideas to help you kind of get started today and make it all manageable. Neat ideas. Thank you so much, Diane. You're welcome. Okay, well, this episode is devoted to organizing your genealogy. We could all benefit from a little more organization. And in our top tips segment, I've invited uh, the publisher of Family Tree Magazine, Allison Dolan, to join us to talk about tips for getting organized. Hi, Allison. Hi, Lisa. Uh, you know, I know one of the PDF ebooks uh, that you have in the Shop Family Tree store is the Genealogist's Guide to Getting Organized. And I'd love to talk about that and have you share some of your tips from that ebook because it's just jam-packed with ideas. Um, Tell us where these are all coming from. These are what articles from the magazine over the years? Yeah, this is primarily content from our archives that we've put together. you know, there's just, like you said, so many ideas and tips and things that we just felt that why not put all those solutions together into one ebook so that people could have them all in one place at their fingertips in an organized fashion, quite fittingly. Yeah, <laughs> set the precedent for all the organization. You know, when I'm looking through this ebook, what really strikes me is that one, it's packed full of ideas, and we'll, we'll share some of those specific tips in just a second, but it's it really hits me all the different ways that as a genealogist and a researcher that you have to stay organized. Uh, Talk a little bit about these varying different areas where we need to pay attention. Right. I think it's really easy for folks to get caught up on paper files in particular. You know, Mm -hmm. how do I put, label my folders and what papers do I put in which folder and all of that. And certainly that is important. And we have some really good ideas for that. There are some tried and true systems. Of course, you have to pick the system that works for you because it doesn't matter how brilliant a system is. If you can't mentally get into it, then it's not the right system that you sh- for you to be using. Um, mm-hmm. So that's certainly key. But You know, paper is just one aspect of organizing. There's also organizing your electronic files. One of the biggest challenges for genealogists is that we have so much stuff to keep track of and in so many different media. You've got your paper stuff. You've got all the files that you download, record images from Ancestry.com or FamilySearch. You've got your family tree file from your genealogy software. You've got all of the digital photos that you've taken, all of the scans that you've done. (laughs) It really adds up. And so one of the practices that we advocate is really picking one system 
that you can apply to both your paper files and your digital files so that you don't have two separate systems to remember. The less you have to remember, the easier it is to stay on top of things. And so, you know, the digital piece is really important to integrate with your paper piece so that everything is all consistent and you can find what you need um, in an instant. Also, a lot of people don't think about organized research habits. Um, it's one thing to organize the byproducts of your research. It's another thing to approach your research in an organized way to begin with. And that's one of the things that I think is very easy for people to overlook. And we've got a lot of suggestions for that as well. I agree. Habits and making a commitment to sticking to how you're going to approach it. And I think you made a good point. There, it's not that there's one best way, like this is the, the only way and let's do it. But it's picking one that, that is well built, you know, in, in a way it has a good structure to it, and then sticking to it and having a great habit. You know, in the um, in Denise May Levenick's article, Making It Work, I know there's a picture of me with my office in there, and I, I got some ribbon and like, where's all your stuff? I mean, it's so <laughs> clear. But for me, one of the things that I know I commit to is everything has a place, and I'm committed to putting it back in its place, because I kind of need that clear workspace to be able to think and be creative and and focus on a project. And so, and not everybody, some people like to have their space where they can kind of see all their stuff in, in various piles and they know where everything is in a pile. And this kind of takes me to one of the first articles in the ebook, which is uh, Wide Open Spaces by Rick Kroom. And he's talking about, you know, everybody has different comfort levels with controlling the clutter in their office and what kind of stimulates them to be productive. Let's talk about some of the specific tips that he has in this article, because uh, he really addresses that physical space. Um, what's some of the, the things that he touches on? You know, one of the things that I think um, is really helpful in terms of keeping a clean space and an organized space is um, not having multiple copies of everything. And so one of the tips that he offers is purging papers. It's mm -hmm. really hard for genealogists to throw anything away, <laughs> speaking from personal <laughs> experience. But do you really have to have a hard copy of everything that you have a digital copy of? And I like that um, there's a sort of litmus test um, in terms of deciding what to keep and what to toss. So, mm -hmm. you know, some key questions that you can ask is, will the item that you have be a historical document in the future? That goes to right. its value. Is the information on the paper up to date? I mean, really, if you've got a more current version of something, then why do you need to keep the old version? Um, this, I think, is the most important question. Would it be hard to get another copy of this document if I should need it again? So if you can reproduce it, or get it again easily, maybe you don't need to keep the paper. That's one that I embrace mm -hmm. a lot. If I can get another copy of it pretty easy, or if I can print it out, I'm not going to save it, because why take up the space? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know about you, but I end up with these scribbled notes, you know, on scraps of paper and backs of napkins and that kind of thing. And um, one of the things I love doing is I just have, I always have my phone with me. So I just snap pictures of them, toss them into Evernote, and all that garbage goes into the garbage can. Um, exactly. Because, as you say, that's not exactly going to be a historical document in the future. <laughs> 
Well, I suppose someone might find value in those napkins. Yeah. <laughs> that assumes they'll even survive to the point that something exactly would interesting. Right. So that's a great tip. You know, how to purge your paper, having a litmus test for that. Uh, what else jumps out at you from this article? I really like the tip about lightening your library. In addition to collecting lots of papers, genealogists also like to collect lots of books and publications. Oh, yeah. Magazines. And as someone who publishes all of the above, (laughs) of course, I love that people um, like to use those and value those. However, you know, many publications are now available in digital format, and you may find that the digital format is better for you in terms of archive value. So, for example, Family Tree Magazine, we publish um, digital subscriptions, and we also have um, back issue CDs. So you may find that it's actually easier because the back issue CD, you can search all of the year's content by keyword or by author topic, whatever you want, you can search it all and find what you need pretty much instantly. You can then print out that article if you want to have a hard copy to refer to, but I guarantee you it will be so much faster to find what you're looking for if you can keyword search it as opposed to flipping through all the pages of the paper copies and you have to remember which issue was it in and all of that good stuff. So um, I think that's a great way. It will take up so much less space on your desk or on your bookshelf by having those electronic copies. Yeah. Oh, I totally agree. And I I actually enjoy both. I love getting my issue in the mail and I carry it around. I flip through it and it's very relaxing. I just, I love taking it in. But then at the end of the year, I really want that searchable uh, digital version that um, I can hang on to for the long haul. And, you know, something else, you were mentioning paper and printing it out. And I know that a lot of people who didn't necessarily grow up with computers initially, Uh, they grew up with paper and books and that kind of thing. Printing is something that they tend to fall back to. It just feels more tangible. And they, I've seen people do this. They just feel like they've got to print everything out in order to make it real. And one of the things that that Rick mentions in this article is print less. Talk Mm -hmm. about that. Oh my gosh, that's a great um, time saver and money saver. Because think of all the ink and paper that you're spending money on when you print everything. Um, You know, to give you an example, like you were talking about, my grandmother actually had subscribed to Family Tree Magazine because she's a proud grandparent of the publisher, editor-in-chief. And so she had printed out all of the email newsletters um, that she had subscribed to, and I said, well, Grandma... That's really flattering <laughs> that she wanted to do that. But at the same time, what value do those really have to you now, five and ten years later? Um, they don't have a lot of value. Links have changed. So I think, again, ask yourself the question, if you can save it on your computer, first of all, do you really need to print it? If you can go back and look at it easily by filing it away in a folder in your email, then you probably don't need to have a printed copy. Um, you know, same with some of the um, documents that we collect as genealogists. You know, you can get records in digital format, JPEG files or what have you. Um, so do you need to have a printout of every single one of those, or can you just save them on your hard drive? Of course, you want to back those up in case anything happens to your hard drive, or maybe have them in the cloud um, so that they're accessible in more places. 
and backed up as well, but, you know, maybe you don't need printouts of all of those things. Sometimes it's easier to look at a digital version in the end because you can zoom in instead of having to squint at a printout that you fit on an 8.5 by 11 sheet of paper. Yeah, I I totally agree. And again, if you're doing something like using um, a service like Evernote or Google Drive and you're saving that document into that service, well, then it becomes keyword searchable. So in, in effect, it's more effective and productive than it would be if you printed it out where you'd literally have to read through the entire thing again to find what you're looking for. So, you know, big bonuses when we keep it digital and we just get it into the right um, service or application. Any other uh, tips or tricks that you would want to share either from the ebook or from your own organizational habits? Well, I think that you know, many of the things that we've talked about, the key is integrating this into your life. Like, just get in the habit of doing it is the biggest thing. No matter what organizational strategies or space-saving strategies that you're employing, the key is to make it a part of your daily life so that you're just doing it and it doesn't have to become this massive project or a chore that becomes intimidating to you. Keep on top of it. Devote a little bit of time every week or every month, and you'll stay on top of it. You'll be more organized, and you'll be happier, so you can spend more time researching your ancestors instead of sorting and wading through piles and piles of paper and files. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And we can wrap it up with just saying that uh, there is a terrific article in the ebook. It's called Nine Habits of Highly Organized Genealogists. This is by Dana McCullough. And so this is really going to give you that tangible um, advice, uh, kind of bouncing off of what Allison was just talking about from other genealogists and people who have actually put this into practice and how they did it. That's certainly something well worth embracing. And we're going to get more information at the end of the show from Allison because you're going to come back and you're going to share some of the very specific habits that you personally have developed to organize yourself, both in your work and in your genealogy, which actually is kind of both, isn't it? It sure is. (laughs) (laughs) Good. All right. Yeah, we'll we'll look forward to talking to you uh, at the publisher's desk at the end of the show. All right. Thanks so much, Lisa. this 101 best websites for tracing your family history. I want to talk to you a little bit about a great website that helps you get organized. And it's called Evernote. You've probably heard of it, evernote.com. Now, Evernote isn't a genealogy website, but it is a note-taking and organizing your notes website. And that's why it made the 101 best websites list. I've done many webinars for Family Tree Magazine over the years on using Evernote, and I published a quick reference guide. It's called Evernote for Genealogists. We have it both for Windows and for Mac. And I thought in this segment, we could um, share some tips from that quick reference sheet uh, to get you started right away getting organized with Evernote. Evernote is absolutely free, so no reason not to give it a try. First thing you're going to want to do is go to Evernote.com and sign up for that free account. Now, you can use Evernote just by itself on the website, but I would recommend downloading the software or the application, if you will. Uh, You can do that right from the Evernote website. It will detect whether you are on a PC or a Mac, so it can work on both. And you'll get that downloaded. And and that actually gives you the software itself on your computer. 
Um, but it's nice because you can use it on the Evernote website. So if you're on somebody else's computer, and you need to be able to have quick access to all of your genealogy files, you can do it because you'll be able to go to evernote.com and sign in to your specific account, and all your records will be there. But also you'll be doing a lot of your work on your own computer, and that will be through the software. And of course, if you have a mobile device, like a smartphone or a tablet, then you can go to the app store for your device and do a search on Evernote You download that free app. Now, one of the main ways that Evernote organizes notes, and these could be all types of notes. They could be uh, documents you've downloaded and drag and dropped on a note. They are text notes that you've typed up yourself. Um, it could even be a photograph that you've taken. Maybe you've photographed a document and you want to send that from your smartphone directly into the Evernote app. It'll show up on all your devices because Evernote does synchronize all of your devices through that one account when you are hooked up to the internet. So no matter what kind of media that you have in your note, whatever kind of note that it is, one of the easiest and best ways to organize it is to the use of tags. Now, you'll notice that when you get Evernote, there are notebooks and there are tags. And um, I've spent some time talking to uh, some of the folks over at Evernote, and they've explained to me that notebooks have their purpose, but really their plan for Evernote was to have tags kind of be the backbone of the system for organizing your notes. Uh, because in retrieval, that's that's the key, isn't it? It's not just making your notes. It's the ability to get your hands on them later. And that's the ability to retrieve them. And Evernote gives you really two powerful ways to do that. You can tag the notes with keywords for basically the kinds of topics that the note applies to. And that way, by just clicking that tag, you have access to all the notes that have that tag on it. So if it's a census record, all of your census records will have a census tag. And yes, notes can have multiple tags, which is great. So you could have a tag for the word census and a tag for the surname, perhaps that it applies to. But then Evernote has a second feature, which is its search box, its search engine. It has a really terrific search engine built right in. And that way you can do keyword searches to pull up and retrieve your notes in any combination um, very, very quickly and easily. So one of the most common questions I get about organizing with tags in Evernote is what tags do you use? Well, the good news is you can have a lot of tags. So you don't have to stress too much about um, being very careful to only limit your tags. But here's something that I would recommend, and it's what I recommend on my quick reference guide. And that is to start first by creating tags for the types of documents that you use most often in your genealogy research. So let's think up a list here. You might have um, tags like birth, death, marriage, census, church for church related records, you don't have to get really specific the exact type of record that it is, just that it falls in that category. Uh, in addition to some of these types of records, um, tags that I create, I also have somewhat the types of activities that I do, and that I use notes for in my research. So I might have a tag called analyze, which means I've created this note, I've downloaded this document, whatever it is, but I have yet to process it in a sense, I have yet to thoroughly go through and analyze it and um, add the data to my genealogy database and other things. So it's really nice because sometimes you'll be collecting documents and, and you'll have a windfall. 
and a whole bunch of documents will come your way and you'll be downloading them very quickly and um, or adding them into your notes and then you don't have time to really fully process them before you know you uh, walk away from the area which you're where you're finding all these riches so I like to tag them with analyze so I know these are still in my to-do list and also um, you could have things like correspondence so while it's not a category of type of document it is a type of um, note that you'll be working with your correspondence notes, um, people that you're talking to on email and that you're saving their correspondence um, to kind of have a paper trail of what you've been talking about. Another type of tag that I would recommend are location tags. And that's because genealogy is so location based. So I focus on things like having city names, county names, the state, and even the country, because oftentimes we are doing our research internationally. So you could look at, for instance, with a census record, let's say I have a record from Randolph County, Indiana, I would tag it census, I would also tag it Randolph for the county. And I could even tag it for the state, Indiana. And that brings me to another type of tag, which is surnames. Now, when I first started using Evernote, I created all my surnames in notebooks. And then I very quickly realized, oh, I'm going to end up with an awful lot of notebooks here. And and I think there's better uses for notebooks. In reality, all I really needed was a tag. And so I have created surname tags as I have worked through my my research. Another name comes up, I can just easily add another tag. This also comes in really handy because as you know, with let's say our census record, if we use for our example, a census document can have more than one family that you're researching on it, can't you? I mean, so often they are neighbors. And so in the past, when you have downloaded a document and saved it to your hard drive, the big dilemma was, where do I put this? In which folder on my hard drive do I put it under the Jones or the Smiths? Well, in Evernote, it's easy because you can tag with each of those surnames plus the locations, plus the term census. So a census record might end up having six different tags. And that's okay. And whenever you want to retrieve your documents, you can do it through the tags themselves. Or you can just simply type in the the words into the search box, and that's going to retrieve them as well. So that brings up the other organizational question, which is when and why would you use notebooks? And for me, the answer is simple. I use notebooks for projects, for big picture ideas. So I might have one big, you know, notebook that is just personal, one that's genealogy, one that's work. And you can stack notebooks within notebooks, but only one layer. So you could, I think of them again as big picture topics. And most importantly, things that I put in notebooks tend to be things that I want to share. So if I'm working on a genealogy society um, committee, let's say, I have items that I'm collecting, but I might want to be able to share these items very quickly and easily. And I want to be able to share the whole notebook, you know, a whole bunch of notes at one time. So it's very convenient to save your notes to a notebook when you know that you're going to be sharing and collaborating with other genealogists, because then you can simply share the single notebook versus sharing lots of individual notes. 
that's all the time I've got for organizing Evernote. But I hope that that has helped you one to kind of get a feel for what Evernote can do for you if you are new to it. But two, to answer some of the most common questions I get, which is our use of tags and our use of notebooks. And don't forget that search box. It is your friend and will help you retrieve all your notes. And stay tuned because we have more organizing your genealogy life coming up next. A successful genealogist often ends up with an embarrassment of riches if you're lucky. Too much information in too many places. Whether you work on paper or do everything online, getting your research organized is essential to keeping track of ancestors and making sure that you know where to put new ones in your family tree. So here to help us out is the instructor of the Family Tree University course, Organize Your Genealogy, Lisa Alzo. Hi, Lisa. Welcome back. Hi, Lisa. Thanks for having me back on. Well, your course, Organizing Your Genealogy, is perfect for our theme for this episode. And I wanted to um, talk about a couple of the different key areas that you cover in the course. And I'm sure you've got some tips for us to help organize us along the way. Um, I noticed when I was looking through the course outline that you talk about setting goals, which I guess makes sense. We have a big project ahead of us. Um, What do you mean by setting some short-term goals? So, for example, yeah, goal setting, I'm big on this. And and I think the thing that we do is we, we look at a project. So, for example, I have tons of family photographs, tubs full, you know, that I need to <laughs> organize. And it's a me- mega project. It's a big project. I'm not going to get this done in one sitting. So, I'm going to set short-term goals. So, uh, for example, I would take, you know, uh, you know, this week I want to uh, organize this small box of 25 photos, uh, you know, putting, you know, and my goal will sub goals might be, you know, uh, putting them in order, uh, maybe, you know, scanning them or, you know, and organizing them according to family. And then I would set, you know, another box and another box and another box each week. And then I, as I complete each box or each goal, I'd cross that off and, and not move on to the another, to the next one until I've completed that short-term goal. And this way breaks down that project into a smaller manageable, uh, manageable pieces. And so that, that's how I tend to, and I need to do this. So I practice what I preach. I need to, you know, sit down and, you know, decide on, you know, the small segments, whether it's, you know, I'm going to organize the Alza family photographs in, in this week, and I'm going to organize, uh, the, you know, the miscellaneous photographs in, in the next week and, and the next family and, you know, just sorting them and organizing. So I would break those down into smaller, smaller pieces. And then as I accomplish each one, move on to the next. Oh, I imagine your students love this in the course because that's probably one of the pitfalls we all run into, which is we, we know what the big question is, what the big goal is, but it's so overwhelming. And you really help the students break it down into those manageable bite-sized pieces. Gosh, and then you actually have some sense of accomplishment along the way, which is really nice. I I totally agree with that uh, approach. Now, and you know, something else that I I like to do is when when you have those sub-goals, I'll even plug them on Google Calendar. Do you ever do that? Kind of have it, you know, ping you and say, today's the day you said you were going to do this. Absolutely. I, I do use, uh, you know, calendar programs. I, I do use, uh, you know, app. I, I use apps to, to do to do my organizational. And I, I have, 
I set reminders, I set pings, definitely. And I think that's important. And I think the, the whole aspect of defining your goal and stating it and making yourself accountable, uh, even, you know, if, if sometimes it's even helpful to find a buddy, you know, mm-hmm. that, that will help push you if you have a fellow genealogist or even somebody in your family, oh, you're both you know, interested in, in getting these family pictures organized and they, you could ping each other. And, and so that, that, that's what I do. Absolutely. Reminders really help. Awesome. Now, you know, we, we're dealing with lots more files than we used to. We've got the paper stuff and we've got the digital stuff. And I know you address both in depth in the class. Um, but I, I, we were talking before, you know, we went live on the interview and you were talking about that you help them not to be a digital hoarder. What do you mean by that? Well, I think that's that's the thing. You know, we, we can see our paper files. Like I can mm-hmm. see I have a section in my house where I have, you know, file boxes and, and I see see all this and I see when things get out of control. But when we're in our computer, sometimes <laughs> we don't know what we've downloaded, what we've saved, what we scanned. And I think, you know, one of the things we try to do in this class is to get people in the mindset that you need to organize your digital files so that you can quickly and easily find them. And not just like download everything you can possibly download, but, but think about what it is you're saving. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I end up having two and three copies of things. Oh yeah. So, you know, that's what we, we, we want to, to, to get people in the mindset that just because it's in your computer or in the cloud, that doesn't mean that you're still not, you know, hoarding things that you don't need. (laughs) Well, walk us through this. So let's say Lisa Alzo sits down, she's doing her genealogy, and you find this great document. You're ready to download. So how do you decide where it goes? What uh, mechanism or, or setup do you have on your computer to accept that digital download? What do you do with it? Well, I, in my downloads folder, I, you, I usually have some bigger categories. So, cause I do more things than just genealogy. So I'll have, yeah. you know, I'll have a genealogy file and then I'll have uh, maybe a writing file and I'll have, you know, maybe a a personal file for things that I do, uh, other hobbies or other things. And then what I do usually is I make sure that I have you know, digital files set up for the families that I'm researching. So, for example... No, wait, just let me stop. Mm-hmm. When you say files, we're talking about folders. Folders. In, on, folders. Okay. Yes. Got folders. it. I have, you know, and then I will have subfolders in my regular genealogy folders on my desktop and then mm-hmm. I'll have them organized by family. So if I'm fine, if I'm looking, researching my grandfather and I find his baptismal record online at Family Search or another, another place, I will then make sure that that file gets put into the Alzo gene- genealogy, the John Alzo file under, you know, vital records. So I have birth, marriage, death, and then I, they're all organized and, ve- and named very specific so that if I do a search, I know that I can find them. And I know exactly that they're not just in one massive genealogy folder, but I organize them you know, by family and then by the person that I'm researching. So do you help your students? Like, do you give them a um, kind of a layout of specifically how they could do that or, or how does, will they end up with kind of a system set up by the end of the class? Right. There are examples in the class, uh, you know, screenshots that, 
of you know desktops. Uh, there's a Mac and a Windows desktop, and then uh, with a sample, you know, a, a genealogy file with it with with sample folders uh, that they could adopt and change as they need to. Oh, fantastic! Now. The, other, the last thing I wanted to ask you about was research logs, because as you mentioned, you know, some, so often our project isn't just a one evening, you sit down, you accomplish it, you're done. It, it's oftentimes this ongoing process. And so we have to have a way to track all this. Um, talk a little bit about research logs, because I know you do cover that in the class as well. Research logs are something I use all the time. And basically, that's, you know, logging in, setting up a system to keep track of your searches. And you're right, I'm a part-time genealogist, I because I'm doing other things. So I, I, sometimes don't get back to my fam- my personal family history research for a couple of weeks if I'm traveling or if I have other mm-hmm. things to do. So what I do is I have an Excel spreadsheet. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of spreadsheets and, and you know, you may be using uh, the equivalent of the, the Mac program uh, that, uh, that, that you could use as well. But Excel, an Excel spreadsheet type format, I find it's easier because you can sort very easily. You have different columns and it's very easy to integrate. So I use a spreadsheet and then what I do is, you know, I set up the different columns for my searches and, you know, I include things like the source citation. I include, you know, the name of the repository or the name of the database. And then I include a column for positive and negative results and, and the date that I searched or the, you know, the date that I found something. And so I have different columns and then I, I have usually have one, you know, big sheet per ancestor. And then I will, you know, I may have subsheets. I may have uh, sub files in that spreadsheet where I will do, say, if I'm doing all census records uh, one time, I might set up a, a specific uh, type of record spreadsheet, which I could integrate into the bigger one. Or if I'm doing, uh, say, re- just all repository research, if I know I'm planning trips to the libraries, uh, then I can put things like the address, the contact information, and the the you know the a link to the finding aid in the col- another column. So I'll have maybe some specific topical spreadsheets, but they all can integrate into one one bigger bigger file, bigger spreadsheet, and then I can upload this to something like Google Google Docs, you know Google Drive, mm-hmm. and then I can take that with me. It's portable, uh, or even in the new version of Microsoft the 365, you can have you can have that on your tablet or your your phone. And so it's easier to have it right at your fingertips. And that's why I'm a big fan of the spreadsheet because it really just helps to, to look at everything, see it, you know, sort it. And it's, it's just very easy to update. And that's a really good point in that whatever you decide to use as your tools, we have to think through how we're going to be using it in the future in what ways we want to look at our data. And it's got to offer us that flexibility. And like you said, um, spreadsheets are wonderful because they can mix and match and move around the data, but then they can also be nowadays portable um, through Google Drive and and that type of thing. You know, my husband's a a real Excel expert. I'm not, Um, but he was setting up a spreadsheet for me. And that was the first time I saw the fact that you could have tabs of 
different spreadsheets within a spreadsheet. I always thought of Excel as being one single spreadsheet. And boy, did that just open up a whole new world for me to see, as you were talking about, those kind of sub-spreadsheets within the spreadsheet. Absolutely. And, you know, it's funny you say that because I'm in the same situation. My husband is an Excel guru, so he set up sheets for <laughs> me too. And But I'll tell you what, Family Tree Magazine has some wonderful templates, and we, we share those a few of these templates in the class. You, you get access to them by taking the class, but they even have more that you can download. And uh, they're very, they're very nice because you can customize them to your own needs. And so you don't have to be right. an Excel guru uh, <laughs> to actually start using them. And so, uh, yeah, we, we do, we, we do uh, show you how to do that in the class. Well, fantastic. You know, as you're listening to Lisa talk about this at, I hope you're getting excited about the fact that it's really doable to get organized in your genealogy. And her course really covers this from start to finish. It's called Organize Your Genealogy. It's at Family Tree University. And um, Lisa, this is what, a a four-week class? That's correct. Okay, wonderful. Well, we're going to have a link in the show notes um, so that you can uh, tap into this, check it out in more detail, look through the entire outline. And hey, Lisa, thank you so much for all these great usable tips we're going to start using right away. Thanks so much, Lisa. And I look forward to having the folks in the class and helping others get organized. Well, as we wrap up this episode on organizing your genealogy, we've got to check in at the publisher's desk because Allison Dolan is one of the most organized people I know. Hi, Allison. Hi, Lisa. You know, I, I love working with you because you are so organized, and I can just imagine how organized you are in terms of uh, your genealogy research. So everybody's dying to know, what are some of the ways that you organize your genealogy life? Well, you know, it's interesting because... I use the same tools to organize my genealogy as I do my regular life because one thing I've learned is you can't have 77 different systems or you can't keep track of them all. So the more that I can use the tools that I use every day anyway, the better success I'm going to have. Because frankly, organizing your genealogy stuff is really overwhelming, no matter how organized you are. It is. And and because it keeps evolving too, doesn't it? I mean, it seems like every year that goes by, something new comes out, there's, you know, new resources and and there's just a, it's, it's a great problem to have (laughs) that there's so much, but, um, but there is, what what kinds of specific tech tools are you using? Because I know, like you said, you use some of the same things in your work life as you do in your genealogy life. Absolutely. So the first thing that I am addicted to is Google Drive. This has changed my life both from a research perspective and from a work perspective because I can keep everything in the cloud that I need to access at any moment of the day. And there it is so that if I'm at the library, I can get to my research log from the library computer if I need to, or I can do it on my laptop, or I can even do it on my phone because I have the Google Drive app. So that's a really great tool that I use all the time constantly to log notes just to take notes so that I can have them in one place. Um, you know, I can pretty much anything that I would put in a spreadsheet or a word processing document, I do it through Google Drive. Yeah. And, and you're touching on an important point that re- really differentiates Google Drive, which is the fact that Google Docs 
is integrated into it. And one of the things that I love about Google Drive that I discovered, uh, I was putting together a video um, for Family Tree Magazine, and I realized that um, when you put documents into Google Drive, you can also pull them back out and still use them in Word and Excel and PowerPoint. Um, I love the fact that it allows you to convert back and forth as you need to. You're not just stuck that once it goes in, that's it. It's only in Google's format and there's nothing else you can do. Absolutely. You can, it pretty much lets you accommodate all your different working scenarios, which is great. Yeah. And it's free. Now, Obviously, you have a lot of uh, calendar issues. You know, we we do things like we're always <laughs> scheduling these podcast interviews, and you've got a million deadlines uh, putting together a magazine. What do you use to keep yourself organized time wise? Well, I use a combination. So at work, obviously, um, most offices use something like Outlook, which was what we use here. Um, mm-hmm. What works well for me is that I also have a calendar app on my iPhone, so those can integrate. That way I can put my personal um, commitments, my genealogy deadlines <laughs> for my projects, mm-hmm. you know, as well as my kids' doctor's appointments and things like that, all into my iPhone. And then my Outlook calendar with all of my work commitments will flow right into that so I can see both views at the same time and see my whole day ahead of me and what time, what I have to be on top of. And I even use it for planning out my time. It's not just something that I do with meetings. Um, I have better time managed that meant that way. So I can go in at the beginning of the week and say, you know, here are the projects that I need to accomplish. And I'm going to set aside this much time on this day to get that done. Um, that really helps me. It also helps me avoid distractions from other people who want to infringe on my time. <laughs> <laughs> Meetings are great um, and necessary, you know, in terms of getting things accomplished. But, you know, I need to make sure that I have set aside enough time to work on the things that I need to work on. And I'm aiming to get better at doing that with my genealogy projects. Yeah, I use it for both, like you say, for both for genealogy and for work. And I love um, a lot of times your calendar will allow you to even color code the type yes. of, you know, calendars within calendars, like you have your genealogy mm-hmm. project and deadlines, which you have your work stuff. And I love color coding so I can spot what type of item it is. Now, of course, we're on the web and um, we're going to all these amazing genealogy websites and looking up uh, libraries and archives to prepare for our trips to those locations. How do you organize all the websites that you're accessing constantly? I bookmark like a maniac. Um, I'm really obsessive about bookmarking just because that means I never have to type a web address into a browser. I know what websites I'm accessing most of the Mm -hmm. time. And so I just have those set up as bookmarks on my toolbar of my browser. I don't even have to go into a menu. I can literally just click on that browser bar. The dropdown will come up. They're all organized into a folder and I can pick the one that I need and go right there. It saves me a ton of time. Yeah, that's a huge time saver. And then you don't have to worry about typos and things in your URLs. Um, Now, since you use Google Drive, and that very much overlaps with Evernote, do you use Evernote as well? I do use Evernote. And my use of Evernote is a little bit different. Um, I am still 
trying to embrace some of the great ideas that I've gotten from your classes and videos, actually, in terms <laughs> of you know my web clippings. I'm not quite there yet, but what I use Evernote for every day, almost, is like my personal repository for brain dumps. Um, <laughs> it's how I like to describe it. You know, things float into my head and out of my head all day long. I don't like those things to get lost when they float out of my head. So I have Evernote open pretty much all the time, and I'm just creating new notes with a thought about this or an idea about that or a theory about what happened to such and such ancestor, and it's all in one place. The cool thing about Evernote is, it doesn't have to be really well organized. You can search for right. anything. So I can have a zillion different notes. It's like having a billion sticky notes on your desk, but with sticky notes, you can't ever find them again. With Evernote, you can. And so that is my brain dump central. Exactly. It's got that search engine built right in. So you throw in a keyword or whatever, even if it's in an image, it pops it up and, and brings it to you in your results. I, I love Evernote as well. Well, these are all fantastic ideas. Okay, so Google Drive, absolutely free. I'm using, you know, tapping into the calendar apps so that you bring the calendar from your computer into your mobile devices and smartphone. The browser bookmarks, which I totally advocate. I use them constantly. And of course, Evernote. Um, great ideas. No wonder you stay so organized. <laughs> Thank you, Allison. Thank you, Lisa. Happy to share my ideas. Thanks so much for joining me for this September 2015 episode of the Family Tree Magazine podcast. It's the monthly show from America's number one genealogy magazine. Here are a couple of action items for you until we meet here again next month. First, be sure and check out the Genealogist's Guide to Getting Organized. It's the ebook that compiles all of the best articles on genealogical organization, and it's available at Shop Family Tree. And then head to familytreemagazine.com slash podcast, and there you will find the show notes for the September 2015 episode. And finally, if you are ready to really get organized, head to familytreeuniversity.com to enroll in Lisa Alzo's comprehensive course called Organize Your Genealogy. Thanks again for joining me today. I'm Lisa Louise Cook, and I invite you to visit me at my website. It's called genealogygems.com. And there you can listen to my free podcast, the Genealogy Gems podcast, which is also available for free through iTunes. And we have an app for that. So until next time, have fun climbing your family tree.